The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Okay, folks, we're off and running here. It is Friday, and it is the penultimate. Am I getting this right? No, that's not right. Because we do have the last weekend. The last weekend counts. So this is the sandwich to the uh, penultimate weekend. This is the end of the semifinals for most folks in their fantasy playoffs, and we're counting it down because by the time you listen to our next show after this one, there will be under two weeks left, or be exactly, I guess, two weeks left in the NBA season, this condensed sprint of an affair. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I don't know. I'm getting off topic here right at the outset. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and letting us help guide you through your fantasy season. I'll tell you, this has been a particularly difficult head-to-head playoffs. Uh, The number of injuries this year has been crazy. I I finally bothered to count it out, and starting at Zach Levine going on the COVID list, which is now 12 days ago, 13 now as of this morning. So yesterday, which is 11 to 12 days away from when that happened, I actually had nine guys hurt. On one team in 12 days. And not like out for one day, like these guys are going to probably miss a few games and you have to drop them kind of hurt. But what did make me feel better is that I've heard from a lot of you that have said, look, we, you know, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. But really the thing that I've enjoyed is folks saying, Dan, you, you guided me to this point. We've all had, we're all in first place. Like, what are you going to do here? And then Roto, well, You guys know my feeling on that. I'm not going to do another Roto head-to-head rant today because I know we're all in what we're in. I just want as many of you guys playing fantasy basketball as possible because that's more people that I get to hang out with and listen to the podcast and sort of, you know, narcissistically get to hear my voice. I I don't know. There's a a joy I have in watching listenership tick up and just kind of knowing that things are going well for folks. And unfortunately... Head-to-head, this season in particular is a massive crapshoot, and it started last week, which, you know, as we line this thing out, we're, we're now in the middle of the third to final week of the NBA season. There are two full weeks left after this one. Most of us, I think, cut off the last week of the season, because that's when it's the most insane, but it was crazy last week, even. And last week is four weeks out from the end of the regular season. Do you really want your fantasy playoffs ending four weeks before the regular season is over? It's a hard question to to answer. I don't think that it's clear because if you want the most fair result, the answer is probably yes. You just lop off a month. And this year, that would have been brutal because the season wasn't even five months long anyway. Am I getting that right? Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Started December 22nd, ends May 16th. So it's less than five months long. If you chopped off a month, four weeks from that, you're talking about a season, you're, you're jamming in a regular season and a postseason in under four months? So there's an argument to be made that maybe the best team doesn't even win in that scenario because the regular season in your fantasy league didn't have enough time to play itself out. There's no perfect answer there. In a normal 
82-game season where there's an extra 10 games and the schedule is spaced out a little bit more. Normally runs from just under six months instead of just under five. There were more back-to-backs. There were more five and sevens. They had these postponements that all got mashed in at the end of the year. This was a sprint. Not only was it 72 games, but they normally you'd probably add, what do you think, 20 days roughly to a season to cover those 10 extra games. And I think it's usually a bit more than that. I think we're talking about like they shaved off a week over what you'd think they'd normally shave off to cut out 10 games. So it's like 10 games less, but we're only going to take like two and a half weeks off the schedule <laughs> instead, of, instead of three and a half or four. So maybe it goes back to being a tiny bit less insane next year. Maybe it does. But I think we all need to take some time this offseason and, and really strongly consider how we handle the end of our head-to-head leagues because we can take it on blind faith that this season is the bottoming point for head-to-head playoffs. This will be as bad as it gets and it'll never be this bad again. Or we could say, look, let's just not get caught with our pants down. Next year, let's end our seasons three weeks early. You know what? Shave off the last three weeks of the year. Your regular season will be about as long as it was this season, and then you'll get your playoffs. Did you feel like you guys needed more regular season weeks in your head-to-head season this year? I actually personally did. I felt like one-ish, one to two weeks more would have made a pretty substantial difference in a few of my leagues, but I don't think that... I think maybe I'm the more exception than the norm in that one, in that... A 17, 18-week regular season or whatever that was this year is probably enough. Three-week playoff, shave off the last three weeks, and see how it goes. You might get to the end of next year and think, you know what, we should have gone a little bit longer. It would have been more fun to have an extra week of the regular season or an extra two weeks of the regular season or whatever it turns out to be, whatever you cut off. But I'll tell you what you won't do, and this is why I think I would err on the side of caution next year and cut off more of the silly season. I don't think you're going to get to the end and think, so look at it from this perspective. There's two ways you can handle it. You can cut off a ton and play it real safe, try to eliminate as much of the silly season as possible, or you can just take it on blind faith that teams will be a little bit better about their injuries and rest days next year. Rest days are plentiful right now because a lot of teams are playing five games in seven days over and over again because of postponements, and then injuries result from teams not resting guys during those things. So either way, guys are missing games. Yeah, that stuff is not going to happen next year. The schedule will be much more normal. You won't have so many fives and sevens, so you won't have as many nagging injuries, so you won't have as many requisite rest days. So it's not blind faith. That's not really fair. It's faith. It's an educated faith that things will be a little bit better next year in terms of rest days. But you know what? From what I've seen this season, and I'm a little worried that it's opened the door for even more, what do you clever tanking, whatever the hell you want to call it at this point. It's not even really clever tanking because it's teams that are actually in the mix. Because there's a play-in game, I guess teams are just like, well, you know, whatever, we're in this like four-game, this four-team group, we can mess around a little bit or teams up near the top are thinking, look, like we're exhausted. We, It's more important for us to get to the playoffs with our guys on upright than to be the two seed instead of the four seed maybe it gets better maybe it does but i think here's your think of it in terms of regret and then we're going to dive into actual game results and weekend planning and stuff like that but i think this is a good discussion to have right now because 
By the end of this weekend, some of us are going to be eliminated. I probably will be. Thank you, nine injuries in 12 days. But, and then you're probably going to take a break from this podcast. And I don't really blame you. I'd love it if you came back during the offseason, because we actually break down fantasy the whole offseason. It's good. It's useful. It's why we go into each year so fully prepared for things. Maybe if you guys listen to me all offseason long, you wouldn't have drafted Jaron Jackson Jr. this year, because I spend the whole offseason screaming about not drafting injured guys. <laughs> All right, so think of it from an, in terms of regret. Let's say you play it out to the end of the year, next season, in head-to-head, or you cut off the last week, like a lot of us did this season, thinking, all right, we'll eliminate the silliest silly week. One thing we also, I think, didn't take into account this year is that the season ended on a Sunday, so the final week, cutting off the final week was actually seven days instead of cutting off ten, so we probably should have cut off more than that. Okay, whatever. Let's get into this example. Let's say you play it out, you cut off just the final week, and you get caught up in the silly season again. That's going to be a pretty big regret. You're going to be like, oh my god, I'm an idiot. This happened to me last year, and I didn't learn a thing. And I got wiped out by nine injuries in 12 days during the silly season. Even though I sat here and I listened to Dan's podcast, and we thought about it together as a group, and I still decided to just wing it. I was in first place all year, and four of my key guys got hurt because it was silly season, or three of them were resting because it was silly season. That's a big regret to me, and, and in my mind, that's a bigger regret than the opposite side of, I cut my season four weeks short, or three weeks short, or whatever the hell number we want to come up with, and the silly season wasn't that silly. But you know what? We still had a fair playoffs. The only thing that that did was it eliminated... Maybe a, a fraction of a chance of some, like, seventh-place team of getting into the sixth seed. That team was probably going to get waxed in the playoffs anyway. That's a smaller regret. Hey, we didn't play as many weeks as we could have. We could have had one more week of regular season fun. But at least we got a pretty fair playoffs. That's a smaller regret. Most years, and, and I'm a convert on this one. Most seasons, I was of the opinion that you try to go as late as humanly possible without dramatically impacting your playoffs. See how late you can squeeze it. I've flipped. This season has flipped me. Because it. who cares? Who cares? Many of you probably play fantasy baseball or fantasy football. So you might have a different sport going right now, or you might have a new sport, football, going in like three months-ish. Maybe the offseason isn't that long for you. Offseason's pretty long for me, because I only do fantasy basketball right now, at least. Although I have promised to go get my ass kicked in a fantasy football league this year. Promises were made, I will keep them. Hoping some of my fantasy skill from NBA translates. Doesn't matter. I mean to say is, the reason I think I've pushed seasons so deep in the past is that I want to shorten my offseason. I want fantasy basketball to be happening for me as large a percentage of the year as humanly possible. So I push my head-to-head leagues as late as I can. I'm done with that now. I'm in enough roto leagues, and I'll probably be adding more, that I've got plenty of stuff going to the last day of the regular season. End your head-to-head leagues three weeks early next year, and then we'll reassess at the end of next season. I'm betting, I'm a betting man, I'm betting that we're going to get to the end of next year and think, hmm, maybe we could have gone a little bit longer, but you know what? Our playoffs were fair. 
I felt like we had time to talk a little bit about that because at this point, look, yesterday was a relatively short Thursday card. We'll break that down. We're going to talk through the weekend, but we're at a point now where uh, most of what we're doing is just streaming. That's pretty much it at this point. Like we're we're uh, we're just looking ahead, and it, whether it's streaming by opportunity or schedule. Our Friday shows aren't really different than our other shows at this point, other than, you know, we try to plan a little bit farther ahead. So here's what we're going to do. Quick Thursday recap. Did I even welcome you to the show? I think I did. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespers. Feel free to yell at me about this scheduling stuff. I think I think we're erring on the side of caution. I think we're erring on the side of right in this, but everybody's entitled to an opinion. And like I said, I don't think there's a perfect solution, at least not this year there wasn't. Uh, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S is how you spell it. You can also just Google search Dan from Hoopball. That's a pretty easy way to find me. Let's chat. Let's chat. One of my big things for the offseason and into next year is that I'm going to do a much better job of getting back out there and answering as many questions as humanly possible. That's something that has uh, kind of moved away from my totem pole, my priority totem pole. I have a thousand priorities, and that one got pushed down, but we're going to push it back up again. Yesterday. Let's do yesterday. Dallas at Detroit. Pistons made it a pretty good ball game. Um, you know, once Luca was ruled out, I was talking in our betting Discord, and I was like, "Look, if Luca gets ruled out, I think I like Dallas in this game. Uh, if Luca's in, I think they, as a team, sort of just go easy and let Luca do it, and then the Pistons probably fight a little bit harder." Porzingis left this game midway through. I think it was in the third quarter dealing with knee soreness, so he's back out again. And, I mean, look, Dallas is never going to get over the hump with Porzingis and his injury history as their number two guy. Sucks, but it's true. He's too he's too hurt, and he's undraftable. He's undraftable in any format because he just he cannot stay on the floor. Tim Hardaway Jr. went crazy, and it's why we talk about guys in a five-game week. You never know who's going to rest. You never know who's going to leap into a massive role. And here you go. This is it. Like, this is all you needed from Tim Hardaway Jr. in a five-game week, and it's now more than worth it. He could do mostly jack crap on his other four games this week, and he might. I think he might have even missed one if I'm remember. Nah, I'm probably remembering wrong. But this is why five-game weeks are such a big deal. Kleba in a five-game week. If he just did that five times, it would actually be okay. Dwight Powell, Josh Richardson, Trey Burke, Jalen Brunson. There's a thousand guys on this team that have all been actually just okay enough in a five-game week. And we don't know what the hell Luka's deal is going to be in their next back-to-back. They rested him in this one, presumably because they knew they could win it. They've got Washington and Sacramento. Sacramento has beaten Dallas twice in the last week and a half. So I think Luka's probably in for that one. What about Washington at home? Yeah, he's probably in that one too. I'm betting he plays over the weekend. We'll see, I guess. Detroit, this is really a team we've talked about as more a streamer of opportunity, although now it pivots back the other direction. Detroit is rolling into a game tomorrow at Charlotte and then a five-game week next week. And a traditional five-game week. It's five and seven, but it's actually Monday through Sunday. So the guys that are playing every day for the Pistons, which is admittedly kind of a short list right now, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, those are must-start guys in head-to-head going into next week. If you can pick them up tomorrow and try to get a jump on anyone else in your league that might be thinking about doing the same thing, there's something to... I don't know if you can pull it off, but you could think about it. The problem with the rest of the guys on this Pistons team is that the numbers we got yesterday came with the veterans out. No Jeremy Grant, 
Uh, no Mason Plumley, no Corey Joseph in a non-back-to-back. Will they play tomorrow? I think they probably will. But then I'm I'm assuming they'll set out at least one half of the back-to-backs in the five-game week. Maybe both. Anytime that the veterans rest, it actually brings more guys into the equation under the microscope on a roto side. And Killian Hayes is one of those dudes who didn't really want to shoot yesterday, but he did have a two points, <laughs> a rebound, 11 assists, and two steals. It's a terrific punt points option right now in the games, in Roto, in the games when the starters are resting. Frank Jackson's actually seeing some decent minutes, but I don't trust him as far as I can throw him, although he probably does play in all five of their games next week. So on the radar, Sekou Dumbuya probably playing in all five games next week. Hamadou Diallo probably playing in all five games next week. These guys are actually on the radar, although for Diallo and even Dumbuya a little bit, it's, it's a bit more on the points league side. But Detroit is definitely a team you're looking ahead to because I believe it's conceivable that I'm uh, leaving one team out. But I think they're the only five-game week next week. It's a lot of fours, handful of threes, more threes next week than there were this week at least. And then Detroit. So massive edge there if you have Stewart or Bay. Uh, but you had to sit through this week probably to get there. Brooklyn, uh, no Kyrie Irving. They listed it as a sore groin, and it was pretty much a rest day. Kevin Durant will be out tonight, so he decided to fire all of his bullets yesterday, and boy, did he have 42 and 10 assists. Went 16 for 24 from the field, the perfect 8 of 8 at the free throw line. Turns out KD's still pretty good. And there's going to be probably some celebrating here because he's likely to close the season somewhat strong. But let's also remember, as good as Kevin Durant has been, he's number eight on a per-game basis this year, he's played in but 27 games. That's not a win. Not if you had to take him uh, with your second-round pick. Sorry, good as he's been, 27 games is not going to get it done. It's going to be great for you down the stretch. Better for head-to-head here, I guess, but he's also sitting out there back-to-backs. Um... Many of you were talking to me in our Discord about Basketball Monster having certain guys listed as doubtful because of expected rest, and that may be happening here with Blake Griffin as well. He uh, played in their last back-to-back, and last we saw this morning, Friday morning, he was listed as available for this Friday ball game. Uh, so I- I'm going to assume that Blake Griffin is in. He had a bad ball game here, but lately he's actually played pretty well. Uh, and with KD now resting, that gives him a larger opportunity. This game was also a blowout, so he didn't have to come back in late, which he often does play a little bit in the fourth quarter. Meantime, uh, Jeff Green just keeps rumbling along. DeAndre Jordan has been pushed back out of the picture, and Alice Johnson played 32 minutes off the bench and went for 20-20. and 20. Indiana's lack of a center has been a small issue. <laughs> a very large, small issue. Malcolm Brogdon left that ball game with a sore hamstring. Uh, that would mean that TJ McConnell likely gets a big bump in their next one. That's tomorrow, part of this three-game week. O'Shea Brissett, just keep using him until anybody comes back. Demonis Sabonis and Goga Batadze inching closer, but still not there. Karis Levert, this is all the usage you could ever imagine. It's the perfect world. We handicapped Karis Levert as if he was the fourth option, and suddenly now he's number one. Demonis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, all out. Probably. I guess we don't know if Brogdon's going to play in the next ballgame, but possibly all out. And so Levert goes from the fourth, sometimes even the fifth choice. He's number one. So I'll admit I got that one wrong, but I don't know that I could handicap for the three guys in front of him to be out. 
little fluky. So what do we do with the two teams on this one? Well, uh, for Brooklyn, on the back-to-back here, uh, Mike James had seven assists, but with Kyrie set to play and KD set to rest, that probably disappears. Tyler Johnson was the guy who got pushed into the starting lineup. I think Landry Shamit actually has a, a decent ball game coming up here. Uh, it, it's not guaranteed, because when Ky- KD and Kyrie were both in there, there just wasn't enough usage for the other guys around him. But when one of those two guys is resting, it does seem like there's ever so slightly more than enough. Jeff Green right now has been useful in every format. He's actually just been really, really good of late, so go ahead and roll him. Bruce Brown is still hurt. That's That sucks, man. That was a guy I was going to stream through the whole damn playoffs. That one upset me. What a great combo of points, rebounds, steals he was. Ah! Ah, all these injuries, man. They're just kicking me right in the groin. I, in Roto, would start Kyrie Irving and Joe Harris, and that's maybe it. I might throw Jeff Green into the mix right now just because of how hot he's running. And head-to-head, because it it is part of a back-to-back, so you kind of missed the the better part of it yesterday, it's probably about the same list. On the Indiana side, well, this was the fear with going with these guys in head-to-head this week is... Does anyone come back? Well, if you rolled the dice, it probably worked out for you because most of the guys haven't come back. Not only that, uh, more guys have gotten hurt. Edmund Sumner got hurt in this ballgame as well. Jakar Sampson got his head bonked. Sumner was a knee. I mean, Indiana's just cooked at this point. So, I like, from a roto standpoint, if all of these guys are out, Doug McDermott might play 36 minutes in their next ballgame. You actually have to give Doug McDermott a damn look tomorrow. If Brogdon's out, I think TJ McConnell's set to have a huge one. And then, do I trust Aaron Holiday? I do not. Brissett, Levert, yeah, those guys are good to go. And that's probably about as far as I'm venturing, but I can't believe I brought Doug McDermott up. He's he's there, I guess, at this point. Milwaukee-Houston, Giannis got hurt the first minute of the ball game. played 46 seconds. That's a painful one if you used him in a roto league. Of course, with Giannis out, that means it's Bobby Portis time, ladies and gentlemen. P.J. Tucker played 30 minutes, but there's enough now for high-usage Robert to get himself in there and go punchy. 10-11 and with four steals for Portis. He is a must-go guy. They're going to be very, very cautious with Giannis. And for Milwaukee, uh, they've got another one tonight. They're in Chicago tonight. They've got Brooklyn, and then they've got another back-to-back early next week. And then they've got a little bit of a break before actually a five-game week to finish off the regular season. But I'd be out there, and I'd be scooping up Portis anywhere you possibly can. I don't, I don't think that they rush Giannis back. Uh, the, the sort of illusion of yesterday's ballgame was more so on the Bryn Forbes side, who took 17 shots and hit six three-pointers. That's not something that's likely to continue. This is also a game where neither team bothered to play even one moment of defense. This is like nobody cared at all about this game. If you have a Milwaukee Buck that's not Giannis, you're in great shape right now because you take him out of the equation and guys just go crazy. Meanwhile, Kevin Porter Jr., the youngest player ever for a 50-point, 11-assist ballgame, he was amazing. Kelly Olynyk has been one of the best players in fantasy sports since the trade to Houston. Christian Wood, a big one here. He's come back on after a little bit of a lull. Jay Sean Tate, a little quieter in this one, but he's been great for them as well. The question we were wondering really was, uh, with all of the wings out, who was going to see the action? 
and it was sort of DJ Wilson because he had 15 and 12, but I don't know that you can count on that every night. And so for, to that end, I'll continue to say, don't bother. Just go with the main four guys and don't worry about the other stuff. You're going to end up picking the wrong one. It's fantasy roulette. I'd rather go the the Milwaukee side of this thing. They've got the got an interesting schedule coming up here anyway. So yeah, go sprint out and get yourself some Bobby Portis. That's he's he's in good shape here in the short term. And and then maybe Giannis comes back sooner than expected, but I don't see any reason why he needs to be sprinted back out into the court. That seems wildly unsafe for his long-term prognosis. Warriors lost again. I got fooled by, I'll admit, I got, I got suckered into this one. Warriors said all the right things. These are playoff games, blah, 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 blah. But they just went out there, and they got outplayed by Minnesota pretty much from start to finish. They got out-hustled. That was the big one. Warriors got out-rebounded 57-34 to in this ballgame. Wolves just cleaning up on the glass. And then otherwise, the game was actually not all that much of a mismatch. Warriors outshot the Wolves by 4%. Steph was decent, if unspectacular. I mean, six threes is good. Like, this is an unspectacular game for Steph because he only shot 41% from the field. Dre was solid. Wiggins was pretty good against his old team. Bazemore back into the starting lineup, and he played well with no Kelly Oubre around. Kevon Looney only had two rebounds. I mean, that that's the issue right there. He played 28 minutes, only had two rebounds. Did have five assists. I can't quite, I don't know what the hell happened there. But for the Warriors, that was kind of annoying. Ricky Rubio got himself going in this one. D'Angelo Russell didn't. He was cold, so they just went to Rubio instead. D'Lo had been playing really well prior to this ball game. I'm sure he'll bounce back in their next one, which, make sure I'm getting this right, is Saturday. Pelicans on Saturday. Uh, this will be probably the high watermark for Rubio the rest of the way, but he is a, kind of an assists and steals streamer, if that's something you need more on the Roto side, because the Wolves' schedule is terrible after Saturday. They have three days off, and then not even that many games after it. So this is your week to use the Wolves, and you're kind of running out of time anyway. Toronto at Denver. This game was not as close as the final score would indicate. Raptors went to a sort of semi-bench unit down the stretch, and they pushed their way back into it. Uh... But the writing's starting to appear on the wall for Toronto. And so if you have a guy like a Malachi Flynn, you're in great shape right now because it's likely, I would think, that the Raptors begin to shut some guys down. And it probably not like during this upcoming back-to-back. I, I doubt we're that close to the whole thing coming apart for them. And you know Kyle Lowry's going to keep making the case forever. But they're now two and a half games back of the Wizards for the 10th and final play-in spot. Uh, and things don't get a whole lot easier for Toronto either. They are in Utah on Saturday, in L.A. to take on the Lakers Sunday, who may very well have LeBron James back. You got upgraded to questionable. Clippers on Tuesday of next week, and then the Wizards, the team they're chasing on Thursday of next week. Memphis Clippers again. The schedule is very tough for the next six ball games. I could easily see them going one and five, maybe two and four at best. And at that point, you're done. So the Raptors are staring down the barrel of it right now, and if you've got some of those reserves, they're probably about to play more than they have been in the last couple of ballgames. Although to that end, Freddie Van Fleet took this one off, so I, I, I don't fully understand how the Raptors are picking which days their guys are resting. Ken Birch, all systems go there. He's their center right now with no Chris Boucher around. And uh, yeah, I mean, Flynn is a streamer guy, 
when everybody's healthy and then when anybody's out, he jumps into the starting lineup and turns into a pretty nice run. On the Denver side, we're just trying to figure out who might squeeze into some value. P.J. Dozier was the one we thought would get that leg up with the recent Will Barton injury, but his play has been lackluster at best. Nikola Jokic, uh, honestly, I don't even know how Denver did this one. Jokic was very good, but he wasn't his transcendent self. Michael Porter Jr. was good. Facundo Campazzo has been filling in nicely, but unspectacular. Austin Rivers was pretty good. Jamichael Green was pretty good. A lot of guys were pretty good in this ballgame. And it's and they're a team worth bringing up because they just ended their best scheduling stretch. For a while, at least. They got three games over the next seven days, so if you were streaming Nuggets, this is kind of the time to get out from that and find a different pathway. So, who cares? And the Pelicans beat the Thunder, the hapless Thunder. Moses Brown actually played a little bit finally at 18 rebounds in 32 minutes. That came out of nowhere. On the Pelican side, Zion, Lonzo Ball were both very good. Ingram was okay, but not great. Willie Hernan Gomez filling in at center for the injured Steven Adams. He's a solid stream here in the short term. More so on the Roto side, mostly because, again, you just never know when Adams is going to resurface. Although if you have him, you could just run him until Steven comes back. And the Pelicans do have a Monday-Tuesday back-to-back next week. That's kind of an interesting and enjoyable start to the week because it gives you a lot of options the rest of the way. Okay, Seaside, uh, you know, everybody on this team was someone you considered for their five-game week, and pretty much no one's been a good Roto play, which is what we expected. A bunch of guys that have massive holes in their fantasy game, but we're going to play five games in seven days, so you just kind of hope that they accrue enough to make it worthwhile. And who's even doing that so far? Baisley, nah. Dort has only played in two. He'll probably only play in three. Ty Jerome got off to a great start, but he was cold in this one. Maladone got off to a terrible start, but he was better in this one. Isaiah Roby's probably been your best Thunder play in their five-game week so far. And may continue to be. Who the hell knows? All right, let's run through every team real quick here. This is the uh, 30 and 15-minute part of the adventure, and then we'll get you wrapped up for the weekend. We'll go in alphabetical order ish i have a couple that are out of order here because i went by abbreviation instead of actual city name so screw you if you can't take a joke uh atlanta trey young upgraded to questionable for their game tonight in philadelphia i think that means he's playing Uh, maybe i'm wrong i don't know why you'd upgrade him to questionable if he wasn't actually going to get in there that just gives everybody false hope but maybe they're playing chicken with the sixers i don't know it does seem like he'll play in at least one of this back-to-back. That's great because the Hawks are starting a five-game and seven-day stretch tonight. Delicious. They go three of the first four days next week, and then they're off the rest of the week. So Atlanta, great team to get in on. If you can time your pickup properly, wait until you know if Trey is in. If he's out, I still don't because he's close, so I don't think I would go the point guard route on Atlanta. You're probably looking a different direction there with Kevin Herter dinged up. Maybe it's Gallo if he's floating around on your wire. Maybe it's even like a Solomon Hill or Lou Williams. Didn't seem like his role changed very much with or without Trey Young. So you get your five and seven there and see how it works out. Brooklyn, uh, not a great schedule. They got two games arrested this week, which is okay, but only three next week. So if you're rolling with the Nets, you're probably just doing it until Sunday. You can get out from under them next week and go turn that from a three to a four game roster slot or five if you if anyone on Detroit is floating around. Boston's got a terrible schedule. They go today and Sunday, but then their games next week aren't even they don't even start until Wednesday. 
Brutal. You're not streaming anybody head-to-head there. And then on the Roto side, guys have come back except for Kemba Walker. So that pushes everybody out to the edges. reason I didn't go deeper on Brooklyn is that we just talked about them a bunch thanks to yesterday's box score. Charlotte Hornets. Uh, LaMelo Ball might be coming back at some point this weekend. We haven't really heard much about it. They don't have a game tonight. They go back-to-back tomorrow and Sunday. I don't know. Would they play, would they play him in both of those? Seems like a... A saucy, a saucy decision on the Charlotte side. I would think probably not, but it's a guess. And the Hornets are the eight seed right now. They're pretty safely in the play-in, and they're pretty safely not going to get out of the play-in. So I don't know that they have to rush LaMelo Ball. We've gone far enough, kind of. You know, like they're okay enough to not fall all the way back to where the Chicago Bulls are with or without Ball. So we'll see. I bet he plays in one of the two games this weekend. That's my guess on the Charlotte side. However, they do start a 5-7 and seven on Saturday. So if that's the day you need to be making your roster move, wait until the injury report and then jump in. Someone like a, a Cody Martin probably gets pushed to the bench when ball comes back, or do they keep Martin in there and move Devontae Graham to the bench and get some scoring over there? See, this is, this is all important stuff as you make your play on a Charlotte team that has a pretty good schedule the rest of the way starting on Saturday. Ten games in 16 days. That's the way they go from there until the very last day of the regular season. Six games in uh, nine days, if you were going to hold them through next week as well. Chicago Bulls have a back-to-back today and tomorrow, and then they've got four games next week, but they're all spread out weird-like. So if you're picking up a bull, there is an argument to be made here. You could get a bull today, tomorrow, and Monday, and then abandon ship on Tuesday and get yourself an extra few games next week. That's a possibility. I don't know that anyone on that team is that great of a streamer right now. I think most of the guys that are streamers are also just dudes you start. You know, like Kobe White, Vooch, of course, Thad Young. I don't know that I venture any farther than that. Maybe you could make a Daniel Tice argument to go three games in four days. I feel like there are better options. Cavaliers have a back-to-back today and tomorrow, then they're off two days, and then they get another back-to-back early next week. Uh, Chetty Osman is the guy, if Colin Sexton is still out, although he is a game-time decision. So if that's the case, then you get Chetty right the hell out of your lineup. Because his game will not be fun when Sexton comes back and takes all that usage away. Dallas, we've talked about them a thousand times. They actually roll right into another four-game week next week. So if you missed your streaming opportunity with the Mavs before, there, don't worry, there's more. They go back-to-back Saturday, Sunday as part of another 5-7. and seven. And I've got to think that Luka probably sits at least one of those games in there, which means a guy like a Tim Hardaway Jr. will continue to be useful. Though you could make the argument that if you have a Maverick right now, you just hold him through Sunday, and then you drop him for three days and maybe pick him back up for another 5-7, and seven, or just drop him so that you don't have the one game in three day thing going on there because they're probably not good enough to fit that mold am i doing it so far am i doing 30 seconds a team i don't think i am i need to pick up the pace a little bit denver they just moved out of their really good scheduling stretch uh they have a game tomorrow and then they do have four games next week but they're they're kind of in a stretch now after that game yesterday they go three games in seven days so abandon ship on the scheduling streamers which is pretty much all of the non-superstars on that team. Detroit, we already talked about with the five-game week coming up. Warriors, uh, they're, they have an okay little patch here, but there really isn't anyone on that team. Maybe you could argue Kent Bazemore tomorrow, and then the two games against the Pelicans, Monday, Tuesday, although they do have the Thunder twice next week also. So the Warriors are actually rolling into a pretty good 
fantasy scheduling stretch. They go five games in eight days, which is not awful. It's not perfect, but those five games are probably going to be really high scoring. So, yeah, maybe Baysmore on a scheduling streamer side. I don't think I trust him enough. Eh, if Ubre's out, I guess you could use him in Roto. I guess he's on the cusp there. You're kind of stat, you're, you're category hunting at that point. Houston, they're a mess, man. The guys that are worth using are all on teams already, so screw it. Indy, uh, their schedule gets good on Wednesday of next week, so probably no. On the Roto side, we already talked about a bunch of guys maybe stepping into some stuff here if Malcolm Brogdon has to miss any time and or Edmund Sumner would potentially have to miss any time as well, so use that info as you would. Uh, if any of those guys are still out on Wednesday of next week, you can look at the 5 and 7 kind of thing. Clippers' schedule is garbage. You're not worrying about anybody there outside of the guys that are good enough for Roto. Uh, they play tomorrow in Denver, then they're off for another two days. I mean, they're, they're just a truly horrendous portion of the schedule for a team that had a weirdly overloaded early part of the season. Stick with the same stuff we've been talking about out there. Lakers, they have a, a little bit of a weird schedule. They go 3-4 and four actually starting tonight, then they're off for two days, and then they start a 5-7 and seven against the Clippers next Thursday. But LeBron will likely be almost back to full tilt by then, which means you're, you're talking about, like, who's even worth streaming at that point? Maybe KCP? Does Kuzma still have any juice left in the tank? Doubtful. Grizzlies start another 5-7 and seven tonight. If you missed their last 5-7, and seven, don't worry. You got another opportunity for it with back-to-backs against the Orlando Magic. A home-and-home. Home. That's more traditional. Two different venues there. Just going from place to place. They can just share a plane together. Hardy-har-har. Har. Grizzlies are a whole lot of streamer-level guys. I don't want to spend like five minutes on the Memphis Grizzlies on today's podcast, but guys are starting to get pushed out a little bit. Jaron Jackson Jr. will sit out most likely half of each of those back-to-backs, so that means uh, Kyle Anderson will probably be good in half of them and not as good in the other half. The Anthony Melton I'm rolling with in every format. But ja, yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk about that. Dylan Brooks probably worthwhile in the five and seven. Grayson Allen, if he's healthy. Meh. Brandon Clark in a 5-7 and seven is probably good enough. Miami's got a back-to-back over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday. A couple guys that are worth using there. Trevor Reza is probably more in the stat-hunting department. Nobody really for head-to-head, because their schedule goes back to being really terrible after that back-to-back. But on the uh, Roto side, it's a lot of category-hunting type stuff with the Heat. Kendrick Nunn, if you need someone who's going to score a little bit. Ariza, kind of threes, rebounds, steals, weird combo there. Goran Dragic, probably some points and assists with some bad percentages. That, that, that's what the Heat are right now. Talked about the Bucks already. Wolves, a uh, terrible part of the schedule for them, and luckily their whole team is, is pretty much cut right down the who's good and who's not. Ricky Rubio is the only one who's hovering near the border, so you could hold on to him until tomorrow, but then you're going to have to punt if you're in head-to-head. And maybe even if you're in Roto at that point, because they only have seven games left after tomorrow, and you may need to catch up in games cap. So you can't sit on him for three days if you're trying to chase somebody down. Pelicans, right in the middle of a 5-7 and seven right now, so you're probably not picking anybody up to stream and head-to-head. On Roto's side is Willie Hernan Gomez. We talked about that already. Well, the Knicks might play again at some point soon. Or not. In the middle of three days off for New York. Uh, and then they go five games in eight days starting on Sunday. That's a great time to get Derrick Rose fired up. 
Thunder, talked about them a thousand times. We're not going to rehash that. Magic, part of the back-to-back with Memphis. Chuma Okiki has been ruled out already. I pray to the good Lord he plays in one half of this back-to-back, but I don't think he does, and that sucks because he's been really good lately. Other than that, guys like Cole Anthony have been good to go. Uh, Mo Bamba's been good to go. Wendell Carter Jr. got into foul trouble in the last one, but I think he's probably still just ever so slightly above the cut line for Roto. And then on the head-to-head side, there isn't anything special about Orlando, so no one really gets a bump that wasn't already worth using. And Philly is the opposite side of that. They have a game today... uh, I think we have the wrong opponent listed. Wrong opponent listed for Philly today. Who the hell are they playing? And them listed against the Lakers, but that's not right. It's the Hawks. Philly's playing the Hawks today. Um, and then they're off tomorrow. Make sure I'm getting this right. And they start a 5-7 and seven on Sunday, which means a guy like a Danny Green if he was dropped, a Seth Curry if he was dropped. Those guys would be great pickups on Sunday because they'll roll you into four games the first six days of next week and open you up for another Sunday move if you wanted to. You probably will. If it's the end of your season, you make sure you cash out all your moves at the end. Phoenix Suns, uh, they're just playing every other day. They got a back-to-back next week. They go four times each of the last two, so I'm not going to extend any special offers to them. Portland, uh, they're in the middle, right smack in the middle of a 5-7, and seven, but if you missed the first one, don't worry. They have two more of these opportunities. Blazers are backloaded in a huge way. They got a 5-7 and seven starting on Sunday. And if you missed that one, you could even grab another 5-7 and seven starting point against the Lakers on May the 7th. That's Friday of next week. Who does it matter for? Well, not no one, really. If Ennis Kanter got dropped, he would fit the mold. I doubt he's been dropped many places. Uh, Carmelo Anthony would potentially be the other one. And that's about it. The Kings... Will they prove they're not the worst team ever? They are so bad right now. Schedule's meh. Harrison Barnes sounds like he's still out, probably for another game or two. I thought for sure DeLon Wright would do more in their last one. I, I would... Jeez, I'd say I put my savings on DeLon Wright doing more in this ballgame, but I just really don't know with this Kings team. He, get, he did get more minutes, and that should be enough. And that, to me, puts him in a head-to-head and Roto possibility. Spurs start at 5-7 and seven on Sunday... Uh, with Derek White out for the rest of the year, that actually does make the Spurs kind of interesting. Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell, these are guys that you could probably grab for a 5-7 and seven stretch that wouldn't be worth using in head-to-head in any other format and frankly are not use- worth using in Roto because they're not that great on a game-by-game basis. Per game, they don't make the cut. Totals, they would. Toronto, they're off today. They finish up their five and their five-game week with two over the weekend. You've sort of missed the boat for that one if you were going to do it in head-to-head format and then with roto it really just comes down to how long they play their starters until they cash it in on the season so just stay tuned on that front jazz go back to back today and tomorrow they got a four game week next week so uh nothing ultra special on that side if you were using a utah jazz player you just sort of keep using them that's where they're at and then with washington they're actually a little bit of a tweak there much like uh that was the other team we were talking about today. They start a 5-7 and seven tonight, the Wizards do. So they have a lot of really good things you can play around with, guys that are sort of on the cusp, uh, like an Ish Smith or Aul Neto, if you needed to try to bulk up assists in a 5-7 and seven stretch. Uh, Daniel Gafford makes sense in a 5-7 and seven stretch. Eh, might be it. <laughs> I guess there aren't that many options on Washington. And that's 30 teams in about 15 minutes. Good for me. 
Whew, I'm gassed, man. I don't know about you guys. I'm gassed. Let's get there. We, let's hold on a little bit longer. If you're in Roto, this is where you really got to be category hunting. And look at games played. I'm going to yell about that on every Friday show. Look at games played in Roto. And check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Something brand new coming in six days from today. So hold off for six days before you can get something brand new over at manscaped.com. Or if you want to get something smaller, use our coupon code HOOPBALL20. Check out their ear and nose hair trimmer, the nail kit, among other delightful items. They really have perfected hair trimming. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. Good folks over there. And mybookie.ag promo code for those dudes is just the word hoopball. All one word. Manscaped again. The promo code is hoopball20. I am Dan Vespers. This is another week in the books here at Fantasy NBA Today. Two more weeks of the NBA regular season. I will repeat one more time. We run the whole offseason. We'll be breaking down everything that went right and wrong this year. We'll get ourselves prepped for next season. We will be ready and we will destroy the competition again and we prep the whole damn offseason for it not just the quick sprint up to draft day that's not enough time it's too much swirling around you got to start making your list early prep yourself possible roster moves this is not a particularly high impact free agent offseason either guys that's next year or was i guess it's not quite as crazy anymore so stick with us Even if you get eliminated, stick with us. Maybe I'll convince you to switch over to Roto (laughs) if you get eliminated before the last day of the season. If you're in a Roto league and you've been listening to this show all year, you're probably in the top three. Unless you got really obliterated by injuries. Because there were a few spots where that shook itself out. All right, folks. Have a great weekend. Back at you Monday. We'll break down the weekend results. Give you more streaming. That's it. Four weeks of streams. That's how we end every season here on Fantasy NBA Today. But again, we go year-round. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. I'll talk to you there. So long, folks. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.